When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Wednesday, the 30th of December, 2020. It is episode 100 of Morning Combat. And uh, my name is Luke Thomas. Welcome, everyone. How are you doing? I am from CBS Sports. It is a grand occasion. I am joined by my co-host. He is the most uh, <laughs> the most well-liked man in all of MMA the last two weeks. But you know what? I love him. I support him. But we got a lot to get to today. Yes, we do. We have a lot to get to today. It's Brian Campbell, everyone. Hi, Brian. How are you, buddy? Yeah, Luke, sorry to ruin a lot of things in your life, including this show. This will be our final episode, uh, episode 100, the last of 2020, Luke. What a way to go out in a crazy year already. Uh, obviously, there's a there's a large elephant in this room we'll be getting to shortly. But, Luke, uh, welcome. Monday morning here, or Wednesday morning, excuse me. Uh, great yes. to see you again. Uh, I see you're letting that beard grow. That's uh, very nice. Yeah, I have to get it under control because I've noticed my if I keep my beard trimmed, it doesn't itch with a mask on. Uh, but once it starts getting a little uncomfortable, that's usually the sign to like, you know, do something about it. And I'm at that point. So I got you're right. I actually have let it go to a point where it's, it's not serviceable anymore. So I'll fix that. But uh, we have a lot to get to today. We will talk about some of the controversy from Monday's episode. But there is a lot more than just that. We have to get to our awards today. We actually there is a fight this weekend. We will preview that as well on the boxing There's a bunch side of, of fights. Things. Luke lingering under the radar in both sports right now. Yes, okay? that's true. There actually, there actually is a little bit. If, if, if there's no UFC obviously until the 16th, but there actually is a little bit of else outside of that for the folks who want to want to go to the record store BC and dig through the vinyl crates yes. to get you know the good stuff here and the good stuff there. There is a little. Those bit are of that my out people, there. Luke. My people. Um, all right, so first things first, please give the video a thumbs up, hit that subscribe button. want to make sure that we thank everyone with our last live episode this year. If you have subscribed to this channel, thank you so much. We really, really, really appreciate it. We have grown in leaps and bounds, especially since the whole thing went full-time. Obviously, we have a lot more to do at that point, but still, want to thank everyone, whether you, whether you were there from day one or today is your first day, whatever the case may be. Thank you so much for being a part of this ride. We really appreciate that. Uh, the people who make this show possible, of course, our Showtime. If you want to try Showtime for free, you can get a 30-day free trial. Just go to Showtime.com. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. Uh, if you want to get some MK merch, I don't. Do I have any? I don't think I have any around me. But if you want to get some, Store.Show.Com is a great place to go. There it is. You can get hats, 
mugs. This is my mug? Ah, not the right mug. Hats, mugs, uh, shirts, sweatshirts. Yes, all kinds of stuff like that. It's nice quality too. Very nice quality. So um, that's out there for the taking as well. And uh, what else am I forgetting? <clears throat> I think that's it for right now. Oh, we will have one more episode. It will be pre-recorded, and it won't even really be an episode. Normally, we would have a Friday show, and we would do this on the Friday show. We'll have a show for you. I think it'll come out on Friday. The uh, The homework from Monday was to watch the Michael Bay movie with Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris, and Sean Connery, rest in peace, to 007, called The Rock. Uh, we're going to react to The Rock. We'll have a special episode for you coming out on Friday. So if you have not watched The Rock yet... BC, I discovered this. You can watch it for free if you have Roku. I, ha- I put a new Roku like audio bar underneath my TV on my mantle, and uh, I was able to watch it for free. You have to watch a few ads, but it's unedited. Other than that, like the, all the curse words, and I had violence to pay. And stuff. Uh, I think I paid three ninety nine on uh, Hulu for it, last, or no, on Prime for it last. Yes, night, so. yeah, Hulu or uh, like <laughs> Fandango Now or whatever. It's like three or four bucks, but there's a free option for uh, from some folks out there as well. Okay, all right. So we have a lot to get to today. One note, Brian and I were supposed to drink, but Brian felt it better <laughs> to not Luke, do it, that. Is it in bad taste, Luke, after the controversy? The, the un- yes, the unwanted but understandable controversy that has come my way, not your way. Although <laughs> people are now, actually, the the, uh, the the pitchforks have now extended to you, Luke, a for, not, uh, for not taking a public stand on this. But... Um, yeah, I you know I don't think it's right. Should I be uh, you know pounding beers and getting white girl drunk? And uh, yeah, that's not a good look. All right, well that's probably fine. But maybe depending on what time we record the episode for Friday, if we can <coughs> yes. record at a time closer to the evening, would you have a few beers then? It's very possible, Luke. Okay, right, we'll but like, can we'll we just clear the air? I mean, it's yes. Like a- all right, all right. So on Monday's episode, I tried to do a Ryzen twenty six preview, and. My preview was not very good, but uh, partly it was because my lovely co-host over there, the Vanna White of this show, decided that he was going to have some fun at the expense of Ryzen. Now, since then, uh, it has been... Dude, you got sent to hell worse for this one than you did for the Dana White video. It's quite amazing. uh, This is like the the Mike Perry hang-up swear job mixed with the Tyson Fury hanging up on me mixed with both Charlo brothers separately dropping F-bombs on me all rolled into one Luke okay and I'm right. not trying to victimize myself here I'm just trying to point out that uh there uh I, I took it to the face Luke okay in the, the bl- face the blowback was strong it basically falls along two lines one you didn't want to cover the event because you didn't think it was worth your time which is one kind of argument two the other one a little bit more of a problem which was karate chopping the air and saying the dude's name in a way that could be interpreted as not the most racially uh, sensitive. All right, BC, floor is yours. What would you like to say about all of this? This was a a, a perfect shit storm, and it's my fault, and I take full responsibility. So let's get the most important parts first and foremost out of the way. I am good God am I. Sorry, God. Apologies across the board to uh, everything I love, which are people, the listeners, viewers of this show, the sport of mixed martial arts, Japanese MMA, risen, despite me sort of, you know, comedically attempting to frame myself as this idiot neighbor who only watches, you know, American boxing and can't be bothered with risen. I love risen. Okay. There's a lot of things in there that were badly misconstrued. Again, my fault. So let me apologize for it. Uh, anything in our shitty comedic seg- my shitty comedic segment that was construed as uh, as uh, insensitive, racist, 
ignorant across the board. I mean, the fact that this escalated to the levels, Luke, of the main eventer of Thursday's <laughs> Risen 26 card tweeting you and I in, in so respectfully, right? Kai Asakura, so re- respectfully being like, I hope you guys get a chance to watch it and this will change your opinion and I will do my best. Good God, was that awesome of him, okay? Did yeah. I block many of people who came at me on Twitter? Uh, I did. I, I went to the Luke Thomas playbook because it became a shitstorm. It was a little alarming how much it became a shitstorm. But again, Luke, it's my fault. So here's the deal. Um, we do a fun off-the-rails show here. The, the magic of this show is that it's you and me and Jay or you and me and Gaff or Manich, our producers, or, or Mikey Morms or whomever, and it feels like it's just us and the viewers, right? Hanging out, having a beer, cracking jokes, needling each other, and oh, by the way, sometimes providing some really good preview, review analysis of the combat sports game. But like any locker room talk with you and your boys, uh, things can be taken out of context, misconstrued, or you can just say something inappropriate that if pulled out of there and thrown to the masses really can make you look like an asshole and really can sort of um, change publicly what your attentions might have been. And this is really what happened here. And again, this is my fault for maybe keeping this too much like a boys club and not realizing that we have extended our reach pretty damn far. And we do have major companies behind us and sponsors and all that great stuff. So um, Luke, me shitting on Risen was not really me shitting on Risen. You know what it was? It was a stupid bit of me shitting on you. So I apologize for that. Um, this Risen card <laughs> Which is, is fine. worth your time. You should always feel free to shit on me. It is quite okay. Okay, like this is, here's what the equivalent of this is. Okay, and I got it wrong, but here's the equivalent. There's a really good boxing match this, this Thursday. It happens to take place in Japan, by the way. It's a WBO super flyweight title bout. The boxing hardcores are going nuts over it. It's Kosei Tanaka, unbeaten, 25 years old, moving up in weight, trying to become a four-division champion against Kazuto Ioka. I mean, there are people in the boxing world fired up. Luke, if I came on this show and was like, good God, this is going to be awesome, I would almost expect you as resident stereotype MMA guy and and hard-nosed a-hole to be like, all right, BC, you and your boxing hardcores can go you know jerk off to this i'm gonna be doing important things like reading books and and uh and raising a family this was the equivalent of that this risen main event is fantastic the rest of the card though i did look at it and go yeah right you know it's not really moving me all that much i'm much more excited about ryan garcia luke campbell it's a little bit more on my radar am i more the boxing guy than mma guy sure but i'm also not ignorant MMA. Good God. I mean, I don't want to pull the sword and read you my resume, but it goes back to, you know, uh, pretty damn far. I was playing out a bit against you, Luke, almost like, oh, you're overly excited for this? Here, take this crap. I'm going to read the Arnold Schwarzenegger book. The problem along the way was that I never thought that 30 seconds would be pulled out and thrown out there as American, prominent American journalist craps all over the Risen card. No, prominent American journalist craps all over his co-host, and that was my fault. The real issue was the me imitating the great Japanese announcer stereotypical voice, which, good God, framed the way it was and framed the way all these people came at me on Twitter. Yes, it looks horrifically racist in hindsight. I apologize for that. Do you know what it was? Me celebrating something awesome about the Japanese culture, about New Japan Pro Wrestling, something I've been 
diehard fan of for the last few years. Uh, all the Japanese MMA I've watched through the years. The passion of the announcer, which reads the names and goes nuts. And, throw, you know, you just listen to that. You want to go, yeah. So I kind of went, yeah, like that. And in hindsight, does that look like Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's? Unfortunately, Luke, it did. And good God, am I sorry for that. If you know me, the person, as you do, Luke, yeah, that's 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 not the lane I'm I'm trying to take. That packaged with a bit that made me seem very ignorant to all things Risen MMA. I had so many Japanese MMA journalists, fans, fighters coming at me. Um, Andre Sukumath coming at me. I mean, everybody coming at me. And rightfully so, if the only snippet you saw was that 30 seconds. So I need to be more knowledgeable of that. I'll, I'll, I'll sit on that. But I got improperly framed, Luke, for the whole... I've got nothing against Asians line, which was ill-placed, but really that's a long bit of you and I making fun of President Donald Trump, who always says, I have many black friends after saying something, uh, uh, you know, uh, inflammatory or or whatever. Uh, It was ill-placed, packaged together. It looked really bad. I take the L. I apologize. If I block you on Twitter, it was really because the shitstorm was getting overwhelmed and I was really shocked at how far this stuff can go. But, you know, it's a wake-up call. So I'll take that L. It was my fault. I was insensitive. Um, You know what? It's Hopefully there's a good that come from this. Hopefully people will now open their eyes to this Risen card and be excited about it. And, oh, by the way, I did care about the main event. And I do love Horiguchi and have watched many of his fights. So I did frame myself as ignorant a-hole factory town American opposite you there, Luke, for a <laughs> stupid bit. I apologize. I'll take the L. You could, unfortunately, Luke... Take any snippet of 30 seconds from the history of you and I being on microphones together. Uh, Your constant hatred of my people, I could put out there on the internet, and we could probably shut you down. But I know, Luke, it's a bit. It was a stupid bit. I'm sorry. Now, when you say your people, do you mean whites? Well, yeah, you are very inflammatory (laughs) against whites. But I I really meant my fellow Christian soldiers in this game, Luke, who you just can't give the benefit of the doubt to. But that's fine, Luke. I don't hate you for it. And anyone who's coming at Luke saying, why didn't you come out and make a statement? Because it was a stupid, shitty little thing there, okay? I did the announcer voice out of celebration. Like, they are awesome. I get that it was misconstrued. I'm sorry. I don't think we need to go too much deeper on this, Luke. I will be no. watching the Risen fight. Um, I will also be looking, at, going out of my way to check out who wins the Tanaka Ioka fight, which is just as good, by the way, in terms of uh, fights that hardcore fans want to and need to see. Wait, and, by the way, um, where is that boxing fight airing? Not in the U.S. Unfortunately, there is a um, Japanese subscription service that you can get a trial for for like three ninety five, like a three day trial, and that will allow you to watch it. But unfortunately, it's not going to air in the U.S. And it's a great fight, and every New Year's Eve, just like Risen does, you know, there's a, usually a big boxing card as well. And these two specific fighters, I don't think they've fought in twenty twenty since last New Year's Eve. So it, it's a big deal. It's a big fight. Um, I'm not who you thought I was. I get why you thought I was who you thought I was, and I apologize. But um, from there, Luke, can we stop with the? Um, you know, BC was an ignorant slut all along, and Showtime only hired him because he's the boxing guy, and this guy hates MMA, and he wouldn't yes. know a fight if Conor McGregor wasn't in it. Like that mixed with the uh, with the uh, you know, you hate everyone who isn't white. Talk. Can we just get past that, please? This is, this yes, is we certainly can. I mean, I just the only thing I would add to this is I take BC at his word. I know who he is when he said, like, you'll note he didn't apologize about the Dana White stuff because there was nothing to apologize for, right? But in this one, you know, listen. We're trying to do a show that we want to be remembered for our best stuff, not our worst stuff. But in the attempt to sometimes do uh, a mix of levity and everything else, 
listen, sometimes it doesn't always work. And when it doesn't, you got to own up to it. And I don't have to add anything out about it. And Brian, Brian did a great job. And he'll be fine. But listen, Brian is uh, one of my best friends in the business. One of my good friends, I think, generally. And when he is, uh, when he says things like this, I absolutely take him at his word. I don't think he has any malice whatsoever in his body. I hope you understand that. He is a student of the game. In fact, all he's ever tried to bend in his life is somebody who gets by on knowledge and passion and everything else. Listen, someone was making fun of us on the internet at BC, and they were like, oh, it's two guys in their 40s trying to relive their 90s, uh, like the 1990s. And I'm like, yes, but in an ironic way. Like, we don't actually think we're cool or edgy enough to do that. We're just trying to have a little bit of fun. But to the extent that we err in either direction on this, we have a whole segment called Dead Wrong where we ask the audience to hold us to account. It's part of what we do here. Yeah, so, I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. I'll take the right. L there, okay? So that, but that's it. I don't think anything else has to be said. People wanted me to come out and condemn you. No, I'm going to let Brian have a say, see what he says, and then we'll go from there. I'm fully satisfied with everything you had to say because I know you don't mean any malice. You did trip up. You tripped over your ski. You, you I mean, look, why did skis. I say I have nothing against Asian people? Because I was expecting you to say, what, you're not going to watch this because you're racist? It was a shitty comeback. Joke, I know, okay? I like, know, I know. Yeah. It's the, it's the. Listen, if we should be granted the ability to make the attempt at levity, if it doesn't work, then we also have to acknowledge it didn't work, um, and that's what we're doing here. That's exactly and look, what we're final doing here. question, and, and I mean seriously, because because this is a good teaching moment for all of us, me included, for my ignorance. There, can you imitate someone's voice without being racist? I mean, I watched Sean Connery say, well, "Welcome to the Rock," and that's a horrible impersonation last night, and I must have said it seventy-five times after that, and then I threw my kids' names in it, and then I was like, "Welcome to the bathroom," and I was really going. Does that mean I'm, you know, I mean, like, am I against Scottish people now? No, I'm celebrating a. a a sort of fun thing there, all right? Yeah, it's just everything has to be... I don't want to do a show that's careful, but I'm not trying to do a show that's, like, shitty to everybody else, uh, which I'm sure you feel exactly the same. And so there was just... It, listen, it could have been communicated a lot better. That's that's really mm -hmm. the, 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 the long and short of it, I think. The one thing I would say is, I do think that there's a... You know, I, I said this before on Monday, and I'll say it again. There, Listen, if I'll throw them a bone here. Japanese MMA fans... Uh, they love what made, and to an extent still does, make Japanese MMA a little bit different. The pageantry, it just feels something like it's removed from the normal North American sensibilities. It's often, in, and in this one will be in a ring, for example. So, and a New Year's Eve is like the most hallowed part of that tradition. It used to be a really big tradition, and it's fallen on hard times uh, for a lot of different reasons. And so going after them on their most special day and occasion, even if it's not as big as it once was, they're going to be sensitive about it. I think they're a little, again, the comments about like the karate chop in the air and shit, separate from that, just about the fight itself. Uh, you know, they're a little bit uptight about it, if you ask me. But I will say it also deserves to be reiterated here. And credit to Kai Asakura, who tweeted us for crying out loud. That main event is legit. It's super, super legit. If you're into that kind of thing, there are other gems down the card. Your mileage may vary on that, like Brian's and I's. I mean, I like a little bit more than he does, but not too much more. It's not, that whole thing is not necessarily for me. So just on the arguments about the fights, you have to recognize where the, 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 the legitimacy is. That main event is as good as anything and better than most you would see in, in uh, North American MMA. Uh, beyond that, whatever, I acknowledge it. But I think on those things, they got a little bit uptight about it. What killed UBC, and you've already answered it, we don't have to go back over was the was the was the two step between that and the imitation? But okay, we're, we you know we, we I think we clear that up, and so let's move on from that. Uh, BC, you have been a rough couple of weeks in your household, but you know what? Tells you something. Spotlight's on you, buddy. People are aware yeah, of what well, you're up look, to. 
I mean, it's a wake-up call, you know? It's a wake-up call. It's a, it's a positive wake-up call. So thank you. Thank you to everybody who constructively criticized. And uh, yeah, you know, you, you got to own up to what you say, Luke. And while, you know, you can do a boys club show and you can take fun shots at each other, not everybody's in on the meta joke from episode to episode. So let's right. remember that. That's exactly correct. All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's now move on. And by the way, we will do a recap of it on, I guess, Monday's show. But for now, let's talk about something else that was in the news, BC, and then we'll get to your Garcia uh, and Campbell preview. But first things first, Kamzat Shemaev was supposed to fight next, well, no, actually, yeah, next month, but in a few weeks, basically, on that, uh, I forget what show it was, either the Wednesday or the Sunday show. It was the Wednesday one, which, by the way, Luke, sorry to interrupt you has a preliminary start time of 9 a.m. Eastern, which is like, yes. Oh, that is awesome. We might have to we might have to do a different morning combat that day so we can react to the show afterwards. We'll figure it out at that point. But he's out. Now, we don't really know why he's out, although he did, in the week leading up, he was posting with pictures of him with a UFC belt, and now he's out. You know, not, not necessarily the best karma to do that kind of a thing, but whatever. I hope he's okay, whatever the situation may be. BC, your reaction to one, Kamzat Shemaev not being against Leon Edwards, and two, Leon Edwards made it explicit. He is still looking to be on that card. And BC, I got to say, if anybody deserves to get something right at the beginning of 2021 after the shit they had to eat in 2020, it's got to be Leon Edwards. Your reaction? Yeah, it's Risen fans, number one, and it's Leon Edwards, number two here. Uh, look, it, it's tough to see this fight fall apart because it's like the second time you got all C-teased for it. Uh, let me sanitize the show moving forward here. You got a little C-tease action, and it got taken away from you. We need to find out really badly. Is Kamzat on that level? Can Leon beat the company's new favorite toy to get to the title? Well, it's not going to happen. So, um, yes, I want to give Leon Edwards... Really, every possible biggest name. Like, Luke, who are they going to put in there opposite him? He should stay in the main event, and he should get the fight he has deserved up to this point. Not the title fight. If you think he deserves title fight, look, you got an argument. But I don't think he has. I don't think he's beaten enough guys really proven in that top five area. area. But he does deserve a giant top five type name to prove to you that he's ready in his next fight to, to extend that win streak into the title chase. Uh... Can we just put him in there with Jorge Masvidal? Probably not on short notice. Really bad idea. Not for a Wednesday in between regular TV fight night. But he needs a name on that level, Luke. Is there anyone you that we can so, get on two weeks? No. So you might as well want to take him off the card altogether. Am I right? Well, if he doesn't want to, then I think you have to at least acknowledge the wish, which means uh, who's available. Neil Magny raised his hand. Uh, Vicente Luque wants another crack at him. And there was somebody else as well. Michael I forgot. Oh, yeah. Chiesa, Luke. Chiesa was another one. It's like, dude, those are not like those are not bad choices. Any of those three, I'm not exactly sure like what it gets Leon other than through the finish line to say, I got a fight, I got it done, it all happened, which is, you know, he wants to get paid probably at this point, I would imagine. That's a concern as well. So it gets you that, and those are quality opponents, but I think in the case of Luke, he already beat him once before, right? So that doesn't do a whole lot for him. Magny is an interesting one, and Kiesa I think is a very interesting one because of the way Kiesa could fight him. Of those three, which one do you like the most? I like the Kiesa fight. If this is just, you know, Edward saying, I'm training, I'm ready, give me the main event spotlight, give me a chance to beat a name so then I can call out a bigger name afterwards... And Luke, maybe this satisfies that. I've been saying, look, he needs a top five name so we can leap into that higher picture. 
maybe just being willing to save the card for the UFC will give him that. If he fights somebody like Kiesa, I mean, good. That's that's a very reputable name at this point. That would be a very good fight on paper. I'll go for that one, Luke. Okay, I'll go yeah. for that one. And if Leon Edwards wins that, then you're you're at the table. You're at the table where the next time we go to figure out after Usman finally fights Gilbert Burns, who's next? Um, you're going to have an argument to either be next or maybe to get Masvidal or, or to get something that rewards you for the win streak you're on. Uh, you know, he hasn't been marketable enough to to put forth, uh, to to have his critical success equal his commercial. But I think we've beaten that horse a little bit too much, okay? I mean, what else does, you know, I mean, he's not, he doesn't hurt himself marketability-wise, right? He's not, like, making you not want to watch him. He's Correct. a great fighter. So uh, at this point, let, let's give him the chance to hold that main event spot, get that spotlight, and if he can get a win here, yeah, you're right there. You're right where you need to be. Uh, my power rankings would be Kiesa 1, Magni 2, and Luke A3. And the only reason I would put Luke A3 is because they already fought each other, which would make a rematch interesting if it happened more organically. But just to kind of force it, it doesn't appeal to me as much as a fresh matchup. The Magni one I do think would be kind of interesting. Magni's rangy. He has great cardio. Uh, he could make it a five-round main event, I think, without any kind of issue, right? Because this was supposed to be a main event fight, I believe. So um, there's a lot of ways where I think he might be the most appealing option, but I don't know what UFC is going to do. I hope that if, if in fact, it's, as he's indicated, Edwards wants to stay on that car, they can find a way to accommodate him because that poor guy has just been through the goddamn ringer. Okay, now it's listed as uh, January 3rd, BC. Oh, I'm looking at these odds here. Maybe you can correct the record, but there is a big boxing fight coming up. In fact, with a guy who's not some kind of you know name that fans are sort of expected to know by virtue of their tenure in the sport. No, this guy's an Instagram star. He's out there in viral videos I see on YouTube constantly all the time doing crossovers with other people his age. Ryan Garcia, who might be the future of Golden Boy, if Golden Boy can hang on at all. Certainly now with the departure of Canelo Alvarez, he is their Golden Boy. Takes on Luke Campbell. BC, set this up for us. Who are these two, and why is this bout so important? Okay, this is a great fight. A lightweight bout. It was supposed to happen in December. It got moved last minute when Campbell got hurt. Uh, did he get hurt? Did he have a COVID test? I forgot. COVID. He's back. He got COVID, yeah. He's back, and he's ready. Uh, here's the deal. You know what this fight is? If you're looking for a UFC MMA equivalent, this is Kamzat Shamaya versus Leon Edwards. It really is. Only in boxing, things get stretched out. Ryan Garcia didn't isn't an overnight sensation. We've been talking about him for a couple of years. But, you know, in boxing, it takes a little bit longer to get to this point. But this is his big close-up moment. If Kamzat Shamayev went out there and beat Leon Edwards, Luke, we'd be like, holy crap, the, the kid, the overnight sensation is ready now for the title level. If Ryan Garcia, who I have named many times as one of the five sort of pillars who have next in this sport, 20 two years old if he beats somebody on luke campbell's level like we're having a different conversation sunday morning this fight is saturday evening on the zone and because campbell's a big star in the uk luke they're starting the main card early i believe it's 6 p.m eastern is is when you're going to see either the main event or the main card Ch check your local Ma list main, but the main card the main card itself starts at three so your main event a couple hours after that yeah I mean, first of all, shout out to Eddie Hearn, DeZone, and, and Oscar De La Hoya for that. A 6 p.m. Eastern start on that. But you asked me to lay out what this fight is. Here's the deal. Luke Campbell, super elite at 135 pounds. He's 32 years old. He won a gold medal for the for uh, England in that star-tastic Olympic class that got a lot of people in the U.K. excited about boxing. He's got three pro losses. But here's the deal. Um, 
He lost to Yvonne Mendy in a really tough night early in his career by split decision. He had a bad night at the office. He went back and avenged that loss. And by the way, Mendy's still pretty good. He's not a bum. Uh, number two, he lost to Jorge Linares by split decision like five days after his father died in a pick action fight that could have gone either way. And his other loss, Luke, to Vasily Lomachenko. But if you remember, Campbell kind of put it on him early and had some great moments. So Campbell, super elite at this point. We're going to find out right now what Ryan Garcia has. Is he just, you know, 5 million Instagram followers and, and a lot of shirtless pics of him singing and, and, and hitting the bag uh, in the quick hands, or is he legit in the real deal? Here's what I've loved about the build of this fight. Uh, Ryan Garcia kind of knows his sp- his place now in Golden Boy, as you mentioned. They also have unbeaten welterweight Virgil Ortiz Jr., who also looks to be a future star of the sport. But with Canelo gone, Ryan Guy's the face of everything that Oscar and Golden Boy is going to do now. And you know what he's acting like in this build? Not a pretty boy. An absolute badass. Look, his quotes have been like, I'm going to be the best fighter in the world for the next era. I'm going to knock Luke Campbell out cold. He doesn't respect me. I'm going to break his bones. Uh, He's got nothing for me. I mean, there's been some kind of, I mean, look, it's just talk. But up to this point, Ryan Garcia has been all happy-go-lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, he's serious now. And that change, I think, means something. Each of his step-ups, he has looked fantastic since joining forces with Canelo Alvarez's trainer, Eddie Reynoso. They have sort of ironed out the defensive holes that he had. His hand speed is blazing fast. He's got power because of that speed. Great combination puncher. And Luke, first of all, Luke Campbell should be our favorite fighter because it's two of our names together. But um, he says (laughs) after he knocks out Luke Campbell that he's going right at Gervonta Davis and he predicts a knockout. He thinks in the next two years he's going to be able to fight Gervonta Devin Haney and Teofimo Lopez Jr., which, by the way, those are four of the five guys that have next in this sport, along with Shakur Stevenson. Um, He's ready. There's no holding him back. But but Luke Campbell is a southpaw who's tough. He's big for the weight class. He can box. He's got great technical ability. And probably one of two things are going to happen here, Luke. Either Ragai is going to be all that in a bag of chips and stop this guy mid-fight, and we're all going to be like, holy crap, like, make fun of him all you want. He's got next. This guy, this is an overnight, like, we must take him seriously. Or this is going to be a really close, difficult fight that goes the distance. And Ryan Garcia needs one of those because Luke Campbell is the underdog, but he's got much more experience. He's the better technical fighter. He is a live dog in this one to win it. And I cannot wait to see what this looks like. This is very, very much like somebody like Chemaev or Kevin Holland going skipping the line and going right up to the top at the title level to find out if they are the goods. Luke Campbell is the guy that's going to, you know, he's the perfect, not gatekeeper, not elite gatekeeper. He's the perfect title contender right there. You beat him. You can call out a guy like Gervonta. We can get closer to making this fight. Uh, Great matchmaking. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would add, you know, whatever MMA analogy you want to make, the one that I think of, is is less about a fight, but more about a guy who had positioned himself in a certain way, which is Michael Chandler. You know, Michael Chandler coming from Bellator, like, who should he fight? This guy, that guy, this guy, that guy. And he says, either I am the guy I think I am, or I'm not. But either way, we're going to find out. That's what this fight offers to you. And again, it'll air on zone 3 p.m. It starts in the uh, 3 p.m. in the East, and it will take place at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. I'm assuming... With limited fans, are there going to be fans of this one? Like you know, like yeah, there will be. There's a couple thousand. They're they're planning. Yeah, going to be a little bit. Going to be just COVID central up in that bitch, huh? 
Just, just, well, just you know, spread Texas that cove. Look, Texas Forever Street, right? They don't, they don't care. Come on, bro. <laughs> they really don't give a. We might as well embrace point. Texas because we ain't getting big boxing fights in 2021 unless they're in Texas in a giant ass dome. Okay, so that we better get used to this. Luke doesn't mean you have to go there though. By the way. Yeah. Well, thank God. Uh, okay. Well, that's it for us for legitimate news stories, so to speak. So now, BC, we have to do our awards. Do we not? We do. First, real quick, uh, Mikey Garcia, the great uh, three-division champion of boxing. His, he's the younger brother, of course, of the uh, you know future Hall of Fame trainer and former world champion Robert Garcia. They did lose their mom this week, Luke, due to uh, COVID. Uh, just want to give some condolences out to the Garcia family. About one of boxing's best families, by the way, and uh, salt-of-the-earth type people. Tough to see that. But yes, this is not only episode 100, Luke, and we do have some bonuses off of that plan for the future, but it's award season. So, um... We got a mixture of uh, the comedic, the ridiculous, the good. No, ra- no racism at all in this one, Luke. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> good. A racism-free award show are usually the ones that people tend to like. All right, BC, you can get, you can go first. I'll just set up the award uh, name, but then you go through and tell the story. You would like to give an award for deadbeat matchmaking. Yes. Uh, look, in boxing, you can see all different kinds of matchmaking, and boy, did we see it. In July, DAZN put out a card, Golden Boy promoted fighter Sinisa Estrada, a very talented world champion in the smaller weight classes. Luke, do you remember when she fought that soccer mom and it lasted and seven quickly. seconds in the first round? <laughs> and she literally, she she literally walks over just like this and then knocks her the fuck out. Bop. Oh, my God. That was, uh, yeah. Look, I get where we were in quarantine. We were trying to get back in the ring, trying to stay busy, trying to put on these Eddie Hearn backyard cards, you know, or whatever. And, uh, wow, this was, uh, this was a little bit gross, Luke. She basically fought, uh, you know, I would I would insert my Uber driver joke, but instead she she fought the you know the lady who gives the orange slices at your uh, at your daughter's soccer match, Luke. Okay, I mean, come dude, on. they they literally went to Planet Fitness and found the fittest person there, and were like, hey, would you fight a pro boxer? And that's what you got. And she got sent to hell, Luke. Worse than I did by by uh, by half of Japan, rightfully so, by the way. But yeah, wow. Yes, she got sent to hell by all of the world. I mean, this this is. This was ugly as shit. Seven seconds. I mean, the be- you know the best part was it was seven seconds, but uh, good lord. I mean, how co- what what commission sanctioned this? By the way, uh, I let's see. This wasn't an Eddie Hearn backyard party, right? This looks no, like this was it USA. was. Um, was this in California at one of the at like the the uh, Indio California at like that casino with no crowd? This might Maybe. have been Fantasy Fantasy Springs Casino. This may have been Luke at a. Uh, Sorry, Native American, not Indian. Good. What are we doing here, Luke? Shut us down already. Um, this might be a, a California State Commission thing. It might be a uh, Tachi Palace type deal. I'm not really sure. In hindsight, yeah. Well, whoever wow. did it screwed the pooch on this one. Good lord, that is yeah. that is that is Yugali. Uh, All right, Luke. Oh, our next award, uh, least appreciated. Is this moment of the year? Is this figure? What do we got here? The, for let you know, a lot of things get under the radar in terms of appreciation. Jay's producing ability, not one of them, by the way, Luke. Okay, but uh, shout out to uh, uh, this entity that was underappreciated in 2020. Well, there's two of them. The first one, of course, will be my actual YouTube channel. BC loves to slander it, like he does many things. But the reality is, one, it's taken a major backseat. But two. Uh, it taught me everything I know about YouTube, which has really aided our efforts 
over there at Morning Combat. So for all of the insults that you have hurled my way and towards the beautiful channel that I have cultivated and yet now let the weeds grow in the garden because I'm an asshole uh, garden dad about it all, I just want to say it has actually been one of the more beneficial things that I've put together, although I got to change uh, the Sirius XM thing at the top of the header there because I don't I no longer work with them. Uh, but in all seriousness, BC, that was more of just a, a thing I wanted to do to needle you and to insult you and get you angry. The real thing that I want to say was least appreciated, if I can say that, Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos. We've always talked about fight of the year and which direction it would go. The two big choices, I think, for a lot of people were... <laughs> were uh, Poirier versus Hooker, and then, of course, Yoni Jicic versus Zhang Wiley. But well, Figueredo folks, Moreno, Luke, okay? That's, that's, that's another one, too. But the week prior to Poirier versus Hooker was that Burgos versus Emmett fight, which was an absolute cracker of an affair. And I saw at the end of the year, it just did not get the praise that it deserved. I don't think that it deserved to be put on the level Obviously, of those two five-round fights, it was only a three-round fight. I think it ended before the end of the third. I have to go and check the result again. But, um, you know, it was just a sort of wild back and forth. And Emmett was, you know, super injured and blah, blah, blah. And it was, you know, crazy uh, striking. These guys were fucking killing each other. Just a little bit of a shout-out to two guys who are very, very good featherweights who maybe got a little bit ignored when award season came that I thought deserved a little bit of an extra, you know, tip of the cap, so to speak. Tip of the tip, right? Just for a tip second? Tip of the tip. That's right. Uh, BC, we go to our next award for boxing. What was your fight of the year? Look, I don't think there's a debate on this. I think boxing KO of the year. You can get a hell of a good debate going. But fight of the year, you got to go to that top-ranked bubble, MGM Grand Conference Center, October, ESPN, that 140-pound thriller between Jose Zapata, Ivan Baranchik, Luke Five rounds, eight knockdowns. Zapata got up off the canvas four times, including twice in the first round. Let's remember, Jose Zapata, they call him Chone. He's a counterpuncher. He's a classy boxer. He got dropped twice in the opening round against a former world titleist. Had to get up and become a brawler. Got dropped twice more, including right before the knockout. And he got up and he sent Ivan Baranchik to the deep, dark depths with a knockout of the year contender that was brutal. Here it is. Good Lord. Oh, my God. Got him on the chin. Snapped the leg back. Um, here was a fighter, Luke, who found himself in hell, found himself in the deep end of the pool, but he but he kept swimming. And this was a, a, a beautiful fight. It, it, it wasn't a title fight, but it, you know, it, it catapulted the winner, certainly toward a world title. And it was just one of those special Gotti Ward-type nights where a Rocky movie broke out in front of you. And you were like, I, I don't care if you like boxing or if you hate it. Call your friends. Turn on ESPN right now. You're watching something special break out. And, uh, uh, you know, you never know what fights like this can do to take off years in their lives. But these guys were warriors on this night and would not be denied until one was removed from their consciousness. And you guys, uh, you and uh, Rafe did a podcast on the whole thing because you were so moved by it, correct? Yeah, I, I had a uh, boxing hardcore hard on from here to Hanover, Luke. Good Lord. <laughs> How far is Hanover? Like five inches? <laughs> <laughs> it's only about two inches, Luke, from the floor. 
uh, okay. Well, I, I we've had a unanimity on this one. I had no better choice uh, certainly than than BC's. So I echo everything he says about the Zapata and Baranchik fight. He was the one who put me onto it because I did not actually watch it live. I had to go back and watch it, and it was. You know, I'm one of these sort of cynical bastards. When someone's like, "Oh, you should go back and watch it. It's great." I'm like, "Eh, how great could it be? Uh, pretty great, pretty great." In fact, if you're an ESPN Plus subscriber, I believe it's accessible to you right now. And if you've not seen it, he's right. Five rounds, eight knockdowns. It's fucking insane. So, go to check that out. Now, BC, the next one is also your award as well. It's Blue Balls of the Year. BC, to whom do you donate your blue balls? <laughs> Uh, people might misconstrue where I'm going with this award, Luke, but what it really is is the single fight across combat sports that we were most insanely excited for that completely failed to deliver. Um, it turns out, Luke, that Dana White was was correct, and and um, and I'm sorry, he was incorrect because remember the matchmakers told him don't book this fight, but he did it anyway. It was UFC 248, it was March, it was Israel Adesanya defending the middleweight title against Yoel Romero. Luke, I was like Dana, out there telling anyone who would listen to me on a microphone that this was going to be the best fight of your lifetime. That Romero was going to put Adesanya through a deeper level of hell than Gastelum did, and we were going to find out, can you swim against this rock, this man that... that He's built out of cast iron, not skin and bones, Luke. Uh, I don't think any of us expected Yoel Romero to come out and try to, like, uh, you know, bob and weave and, and and fight negative. And, oh, by the way, like, I'm not going to rip him for this. This was his strategy. And I thought he won the fight three rounds to two. He ended up losing a close decision. And I don't think Dana ever got over this because he didn't deserve this opportunity, right? He had been coming off three losses, questionable ones, but three losses. Dana basically said, Adesanya wants to fight you. He's going out of his way to prove his manliness. I'll give you that chance. And this was Joel's moment, and, and, and he didn't do it, Luke. He, you know, he, he almost backdoored it. But this was not the action fight it should have been in many ways. We were dependent upon Romero coming forward. And also, let's, like, let's say this. I love Adesanya. You love Adesanya. You, God, you CKB for life, brother, okay? <laughs> But um, I felt that he took an unnecessary chance in not putting his stamp on this fight. He could have lost this decision, Luke. You know, you put three different judges in there, he could have lost this. And I feel like he got away with one on this night. Maybe, you're, maybe you could tell me I'm wrong. Maybe it was smart for him to stay on the outside. But he got kicked in the face early, and he never really came forward. He kind of did enough to kind of, you know, work from the outside. Did he have a guy unwilling to fight him? Yes, a guy who was fighting a negative style. But uh, this was supposed to be a war, Luke. I was wrong. Two counter strikers, I was wrong, okay? I'll take that L. Thank you. Rizzo, uh, love you. It's not exactly true that Adesanya is a counter striker, which I showed in one of the episodes of Dissected. So it's worth pointing that out. I mean, he can't. he does a lot of counter striking. That is true, but I don't know that it's correct to describe him as that kind of a fighter specifically but I agree that like relative to the hype what did you get with this fight not a lot now the good news is Adesanya afterwards goes out and absolutely puts it on Paulo Costa in a way where the fight is so dominant that in a way it almost didn't deliver because you thought it'd be a little bit more back and forth but at least there was a finish and one guy was landing and blah 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 like there was many ways you could look at that as a, oh, he made up for what happened in the Romero fight. So that, I think, all is well that ends well for Adesanya. And then for Romero, I mean, it, 
I didn't want him see him necessarily cut from UFC, but going to Bellator and what they're trying to put together could be a blessing that you didn't maybe in disguise or something. There's a lot of ways where both guys have a lot of opportunity going forward to do the right thing. And again, Adesanya already really did with the Costa fight. Um, to me, it's like I really forgive Adesanya because, you know, yes, I'm a fan of his work. I think if you're not, something is wrong with you. Um, but more to the point, he as you indicated, did not have to take that fight. That was supposed to be the cost of fight, which they couldn't make on time, and then they had to push it, push it back until a later date. He took on an unnecessary risk, which is exactly what you want to see from champions who really believe that they're the best. It didn't live up to it, but then he rebounded right afterwards with an incredibly dominant performance. And, you know, I do think that the fight was close, as you argued. I just have a hard time being like, Romero cleanly <clears throat> won. You know, if any, it was close, but if anyone yeah. deserved to win, it, to me, it was Adesanya. It's the kind of thing where if you're Romero, I could say I thought he won, but he can't really argue any kind of screw job because, you know, he didn't bring the fight. And neither right. did Adesanya, right? They, I mean, it, was, it wasn't as bad as Ngannou and Derek Lewis, but uh, yeah, it was what it was. Luke, just real quick, though, did you have the same expectations I did? Like, I, I was there. And I had one of those feelings, like, you know, remember, I was at 236, so I saw Adesanya Gastelum and Poirier Holloway back-to-back, and it was one of those, like, what a gift to my fandom. I was here on this night sitting in the John Morgan seat in an orange shirt, not a blue one, and um, I thought I was going to relive that with this fight. God, was I wrong. Did you have those intentions coming in as well? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did as well. I think all of us did. I thought for sure it would just open up in a certain way that it just... Never did. They never. It was a lot like Pedro Hizo and uh, Rico Rodriguez. Now that that was really two counter strikers in a very clean way, but they just couldn't find a way to get the other guy motivated to do the thing that they wanted them to do. Um, and sometimes fights are like that. Sometimes it's not anybody's fault. You know, sometimes that's just what you get based on how these two guys want to assess risk and find a way to to win. So, you know, it, it, the the award is deserved, but. Both guys, I think, still have a lot of fight life, and obviously in the case of Adesanya, especially so, some life left in them. All right, All so right, we go down Luke to one Art. of my awards, if we can. Most yeah, conspirator- can I set it up to you, Luke? It's yes, most conspiratorial yes. of 2020, and there's a lot of people to choose from if you're a big MMA fan, Luke, because these <laughs> MMA fighters, they're, they're speaking my language here. Well, it's funny. I, I, I've been reading studies... Um, at night about how many ordinary Americans relative to how it used to be are believing conspiracy theories. And it is a extraordinarily high number. But if there is anyone in MMA who takes it to the next level, and I like the guy, this is not, I mean, I I wish he had different beliefs, but I don't think he's a bad guy in any way, shape or form. In fact, I think he's a doting father and probably a, a wonderful person, but boy, my man loves some conspiracy theories. No, it's not Eddie Bravo. No, it's not even who's the guy who tore his nutsack. BC Bryce Mitchell. Was it Bryce Mitchell Torres? Is, is yeah, Bozak? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, no, it's not either of them. In fact, it's Jared Cannonier. And if you don't believe that, check out his Twitter feed and, in particular, his likes. You can go through, you can see like tweets, photos, media, whatever, uh, and then you can click on their likes. My man has gone all the way down the rabbit hole on this kind of a thing. And he has entered a world that, frankly, I don't necessarily understand, BC, but it's a <laughs> lot of QAnon stuff. He's tweeting at Barack Obama that they're going to get him, <laughs> that they're going to arrest him, and a lot well, of look, other the things. Crystals, the Crystals told him to, right? Oh, uh, the, the Crystals thing to me is the most normal thing about 
some of his other broader worldviews. I know a lot of folks do. By the way, this was another thing during the pandemic. People getting interested in rocks, and I don't mean in a geological way necessarily. Like Counting them rocks, Biatch, yeah. yeah <laughs> they're just interested in rocks. To me, I don't find rocks in that way all that interesting, but... Uh, if you are, if you want to see someone again, this is, I, I love Jared. I, he's a great dude, you know, but my man has bought into conspiracy thinking, honestly, in a way that I don't think any other MMA fighter has Spike Carlisle kind of dabbled with it. The TV fighter, the ginger ninja, but, uh, he got a little, he, he, tr- see, he treaded towards the anti-Semitic side, which Jared has not done. And then Spike had to pump the brakes and then apologize. So he kind of went out of it. Jared is on the QAnon, let's get the pedophiles thing, you know? So yeah. he's still got something of a something of a wholesome worldview, I would say, a little bit. But I mean, we've if, seen this it, in MMA. Ronda was controversial at some point, too, remember? Yes, she put out the video. No, she put out a tweet or something being like, you know, that uh, the the shooting at uh, in Connecticut. What was the kid's place where they killed all those kids? Sandy Hook, uh, yeah. Yeah, Sandy Hook. You know, look into it. Like, uh, sorry, Rhonda. No, there's nothing to look into. Well, by the way, brain, I'm, but... I'm certainly not going to stand up here for the Sandy Hook conspiracy. I just want to say, somebody saying look into something, it doesn't mean that they're batshit crazy and should be locked up, Luke. Okay, have we seen enough government secrets? I mean, let's look at the plot line of The Rock, right? It was all based on exposing government <laughs> secrets. Okay, thank you. It's thank a, you. also a fictional movie designed by Hollywood for <laughs> maximum entertainment. So, Can I tell you a good story about crystals real quick? Yes, please. Uh, I, they, make good, I, they make good burgers. You think I'm a good? You think I'm a big time trash panda? Have you ever hang out with one of my best uh, friends in this game, Brett Okamoto of ESPN? Who, who I think Joanna was right, Luke, in calling him the best looking journalist. I think I, mean, I think you want to fuck Brett Okamoto more than <laughs> anyone else does. <laughs> no, I just including love that joke, his own way. wife. Uh, so Brett and I are at UFC uh, 201 in Atlanta, right? Robbie Lawler, Tyron Woodley, and he's driving the rental car, and you know uh, we're working together at ESPN, and I'm like, bro. I got to get some of this Atlanta fast food, right? We don't have these type of chains up north. We're driving down the road. We come up on a crystal. I'm like, Brett, go through the drive-thru, bro. We're going to rock it. This is going to be great, right? We're going we're gonna to eat the crap out of this. We get up to the window, Luke. This man is driving. I order six things off the dollar menu. I haven't seen a fast food place that has, like, mozzarella sticks, like, wings. Like, they had, they had all kinds of the burgers. They had crazy stuff at this place. I ordered six things off the dollar menu, Brett Okamoto refused to eat anything from there, Luke, because, you know, he's so, like, salady and in shape and stuff. And, and he not only was disgusted by my order, he passed them across through the window with just such, like, disdain and displeasure and had to open the window as we were driving to get the smell out of the car. Luke, I'm just trying to sample the local cuisine of Crystal. It was fan-friggin-tastic. I had six different amazing items off there. This guy's like, I am not hanging out with you anymore. And at some point, did you spill Coke on his crotch and then offer to clean it? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Atlanta has great food. Best bre- best place to eat a good-ass breakfast in this country, Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you. Uh, yes, it does have really good food. Crystals, dude. Crystals used to be... I got to tell you, uh, this is a, it sounds like a sad story, BC, but it's not. I'll make it very quick. When my mom passed away... body at all? Yeah, keep going. Hold on. When my mom passed away, we had to go and settle some of her affairs at the, uh, at the court... The, I don't know if it was the courthouse or... It was some administrative building in Georgia. And I remember 
you know, this was not a great time, and the weather was nice, and uh, we were out there in the town square. If you don't think about Marietta, Georgia, there's this little square next to these train tracks, and right by it was a Crystals, and me and my sister and my brother were like, you know, we were not having the best day of our lives, and we were like, what could make this day better? And I think it was my sister. She was like, why don't we just go to Crystals? So I, we, I let them stay in the park. I went over and got... I must have gotten 50 of those little burgers that they make. Uh, and yeah. we went over. And I got to tell you, you know, serious things in your life are not going to be helped by fast food indulgence. But it definitely made the best of a bad situation. I will never forget. That was some of the best fast food consumption I'd ever had in my life. Did You, you got fast food high. You know that like three or four minute high you get right after just consuming way too much fast food beef before it sets in and you want to take a coat hanger and, and, and repurpose that food and get it out of you? That three minutes, so fantastic, Luke. Right? It's got to be like the first, the first hit of smack, right? Right? Uh, I don't know, but smack must be the shit because people love it. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, white people love it, Luke. Wow. They, yeah. they certainly do. Uh, okay, BC. We had a mutual agreement on this as well. Fight of the year in MMA. What is it? It's very easy. Uh, I forgot what UFC card it was earlier this year. It was Yuan Young Jacek, uh, Wei Li Zhang. Uh, Luke, am I saying that name right? I don't want to be ignorant anymore. Okay, Wait. don't have to overdo it either. I mispronounced. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I got it. I got made fun of this on the Aaron Bronstetter podcast. It's it's Young Wei Lee, correct? I think that's right. I think that's right. Okay. Um, thank you to these incredible, incredible warriors. Uh, Luke, this is the greatest female fight of all time. Greatest fight of this year. And again, I was lucky to be front row that this job affords, and I was. Not only hum- humble is not the right word, and we have referenced this in the past, but Luke. Being this close to war, like this was not a fight. At some point in about round four, this stopped being a fight. This was a war of attrition, a test of wills, where neither were going to back down until, like that zapata Branchik fight, one finished the other. Only it didn't happen. And while it didn't happen, Joanna's body was just, I mean, going to epic alien proportions. Their willingness to keep that hellacious pace to not say, you know, to never say die, to never take put on the brakes and keep coming at each other, it puts you in that weird spot as a lover of fights and a journalist when you're this close to the action where you are afraid of what is going to happen next. And, you know, it was very similar to the first uh, Mark Hunt uh, giant uh, Silva fight in, in where you're, you know, uh, Bigfoot Silva, where you were just like, Somewhere around round four, you're like, I don't think we should have five round fights because these guys might kill each other. There was a moments in that, at least for me, this close seeing Ioana's head sitting right by, you know, near her corner. Um, wow, this it, it, the reason why it wins against all the others, Luke, is because it was for a title, but because the 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 pace never wilted. Now, did it? It didn't have crazy character moments that we love in fight of the years, meaning. One didn't get knocked down and almost out or nearly submitted and have to come back. It was largely a stand-up war of two trains that just kept colliding. But again, the pace and the will shown by both. And when you consider that, we were looking at this as Joanna's last stand at the title level. Now, we don't know where she's going to go from here, right? She's like 33. We don't know where she's going to go. But this was looking looked at as sort of her last chance to prove that she's of this level. She was of this level and then some. You scored the fight for her. Uh, I had it for Wei Li very close, but, you know, Zhang Wei Li was just that much better. And for a young champion to have to be put into this type of hell and to live up to it, uh, what a humbling night at the office. I will tell, just as well as I will tell my grandkids one day that I was at, you know, Adesanya Gastelum and 
Victor Ortiz, Andre Berto won, and all these great fights I've been lucky to be at or near in the building. Being in the building for this was different than all those, and it was special. And uh, I'm glad they're okay, Luke, because there was a will in the air that said this is not a sport anymore. We're 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 fighting. We're we're we are. This is Karate Kid Part Two, right? It's not a tournament, Danielson. We're in Okinawa right now, okay? You know we want to go full circle on these Japanese things, but we're in Okinawa right now. This is not for tournament. This is not for sport. Uh, this is you know, they were going for it, Luke, and credit to them for doing that because. Uh, it created this gray area, which is dangerous and fun and scary. And uh, we lived that ride. Luke, I'm sure you saw this and felt this through your TV screen back in what? February was this? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I, I was not there because uh, CBS, I was not working with them and they did not fly me out and, you know, lots of other things. But, um, you know, there was a lot of consternation and debate about why this should or shouldn't be number one. And one of the things you look at is, I think one of them exceeded it. It may have been Joanna, but I can't remember. But they they either exceeded or were nearly at each of them uh, attempted 400 significant strikes in the course of five rounds, which is just unheard of. In the case of Poirier and Hooker, they were sub three. A lot of other ones are mostly sub three. I mean, it's, I mean even in that four, excuse me, that fifth round, um, they were combined for nearly 200 significant strike attempts between the two of them, which is, to me, a big difference, right? When you end the fifth with that amount of volume, I mean, you'll see UFC fights where guys are, like, going pretty hard at it in the course of three rounds. They don't even have an accumulated 100 significant strike attempts. And, you know, we have almost 200 in one round. I mean, it's a shocking level of output. And you could say, oh, well, how much does it matter if you're not hitting each other that hard? But they were badly beaten up. Ioana Jacek was disfigured. Now, I did think she deserved to win, but I can't complain because it was very, very close, very hard. It's always hard to judge when there's not much offense and when there's a shit ton of offense. And here you have the, uh, the, the latter of the two, and so it can be really hard to parse exactly what mattered the most. The leg kicks for Ioana didn't seem to count as much in the judges' minds as some of the body work and some of the, the head hunting that Zhang had done, and that's okay. That You can understand that. So it's a very fair um, a way in which it was all adjudicated given what we, uh, we sort of know and can understand about the fight game. But you just have to take your hat off to it. I mean, it's such a demonstration of the growth of the women's game, such a demonstration of the globalization of MMA. And she had this Chinese fighter, and like she, she had all these fights on like the Kunlun circuit. And you're like, okay, they, I've definitely heard of them. They've done some good stuff. How good could she be? Yo, very, very good. And she's probably, for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, BC, probably going to be the tip of the iceberg if they can really develop that Chinese market. There are a ton of good athletes there. There's a ton of martial arts tradition. And there's a ton of hunger, I think, to compete on the world stage. And and, and getting what you got with Zhang Wiley was probably a prelude to a much more ambitious and successful future for um, for, uh, for China. And look, what, what a boon for women's MMA. Like, you know, I mean, look, look at the troubles women's boxing has had. Not just being considered legitimate, but really your criticism overall, which is putting out fights that deserve being considered legitimate. Women's MMA not only went from nothing to really formidable and good, but, you know, that was five, ten years ago. To have fights like this, though, that where you're like, forget, you know, those great male fights we saw this year. This is the best fight of the year. It's the best fight of all time. I mean, the we've seen where we can compare the craft of women's MMA favorably to men but now we saw one where we saw the will and the 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 gruesome action of it I mean this again the the fighting spirit of these two I'll never forget that moment Luke okay 
Well, with that in mind, we move on. BC, I'll set you up for this. You had a um, you had a moment of the year, but it wasn't it wasn't a moment inside the cage, was it? No, it wasn't, Luke. It may have been inside uh, some people's uh, uh, package inside their satchel page there. But, uh, Luke, uh, the moment of the year in combat sports took place on Instagram and involved former or, you know, women's MMA pioneer Gina Carano. No, it wasn't a teaser or a spoiler, Luke, for Mandalorian season two, which I'm halfway through and, you know, loving it, despite your uh, discredit to fan service. Luke, Gina Carano surprised her legion of thirsty MMA fans with a topless photo that Instagram made her take down, Luke. Uh, you discredited the joy people had in it right afterwards, Luke, um, in, in a very questionable way still to this point. But, uh, Luke, it was a moment, okay? And, uh, wow, <laughs> look at, I love it when, like, we can't even get the highlights to a Showtime fight that we're referencing, That you know, and but... Put, put nudity up there on the MK screen. Go for it. That's fine. Thank, thank you, producers. Luke, um, this was something. It was, it was a great moment, Luke. What a time to be alive for all those thirsty MMA fans out there. Most, most overrated moment of the year by a million miles. By a million miles. All right. All right, Luke. Well, thank you. MMA fans have been thirsting after Gina, who, yes, is a attractive person. But the amount of attention that they spend on like how attractive they claim her to be is like not proportional. I'll put it that way. And, you know, she puts out this racy photo, which is fine. Nothing wrong with it. But, you know, all you nerds and virgins like Colby Covington accuses you of being, you know, can't get five feet without uh, having an embarrassing boner on your way to the bathroom. It's like, you know, what are we doing here, folks? You know, you got to get it together. Wow. BC. Wow. Wow, Luke. Can't you just say the goat thank you can't you just do that i mean do you have to like now you have to turn on all the people that watch our show luke okay now you got to turn on all i mean look uh, god yes <sighs> yes it's, luke, it's 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 nice it's it's okay it's nice everyone, everyone's like, like oh like like you guys are those creeps in the back of the bus with the trench coat on you can't help yourself it's like it's not that cool Pretty damn cool, Luke. It's pretty damn cool. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, this award isn't, it doesn't touch me personally. I didn't touch myself. It, this is to the, oh, yeah. this is a salute to the MMA fan, Luke. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Very good. Uh, right. You have to set up uh, the next one. Yeah, Luke, we have another award. Uh, it's, it's um the award for most helpful in 2020. Luke, what does this award mean? Well, I'm going to give it to something that it's going to sound like, please don't cancel me because obviously it's not about the more serious effects, but it was about something that I thought maybe I should have changed the title to like clarifying to it now because <clears> I'm <throat> going to put the lower third on there, but I'm going to give it to the coronavirus. Now understand. Helpful, not, Luke. This, this thing has killed many of people. What are you yes, talking yes. about? I don't, I don't mean, please understand. I do not mean helpful in the sense that the damage it has caused, which has been uh, enormous and been disruptive and calamitous for so many across the world, not just in this country. I don't mean it in that sense. Helpful in a different sense, BC, which is to say it has been very, very clarifying. I feel like through this time, at least inside MMA, there were tiny little rifts, little little separations between people, between groups, between entities. Yeah, between sides you got of Dana on one side and the media on the other, Luke. Is that what that's you're talking a, about? One, that's one example of it. That's one example of it. Uh, but there's many other ones. And what the pandemic did 
was it set into motion the acceleration of those differences, which I'm not necessarily happy about, but it was very clarifying. It was very clarifying to see who takes the coronavirus seriously, who doesn't. It was clarifying to see who believes in conspiracy theories, who doesn't. It was very clarifying to see who thinks the media serves a valuable function and who doesn't. And you could go on and on and on and on and on down that list. Which MMA media folks are cowards and didn't want to speak up when it was their time to speak up? It was clarifying. You could go and find any number of different issues related to that that the coronavirus set into motion. So certainly I'm not happy about it. It's been a disaster for so many people. I'm here sitting in my goddamn uh, office and can't go and do anything by virtue of this. And I've had it good during the pandemic. And to say nothing of, you know, for example, the Garcias who have lost somebody and and Carl Anthony Towns lost seven loved ones during the coronavirus. All of these and things are disasters. Senator or not Senator, that politician, that 41 yeah, year old, dude 41 just- years old, the uh, Louisiana fifth uh, house district uh, 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 was to be sworn in on Sunday and he died from the coronavirus. So the coronavirus has been a calamity in everyone's life, but, but it has also revealed major differences in these various communities in which the community grappled with how to deal with it that I feel like we kind of knew was there and now we know for sure is there. Pick your side because they're very, very clear to pick at this well, point. Well, Luke, I, this is nothing helpful about the coronavirus. If well, it's a different you, title. If this helped you realize who's really who, I mean, look, what, you know, going on at the same time of the coronavirus was, you know, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of things that also uh, opened the eyes of, of us and saw what what line, you know, what side of the fence we're on in terms of, I mean, you know, not my Japanese faux pas notwithstanding, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, I will. Uh, yeah, I guess I get your point, Luke. I just don't want to, you know, be a, a I mean, can't we just uh, I mean, we we saw two giant melons. I'll give an award for that. I'm not giving an award for this, Luke. OK, yeah, it's not. An, I mean, you know, we're, we're these are not really awards awards. They're just kind of like moments to note things. But OK, we can move on. All right. All right. Luke, uh, BC, um, I will set it up. I'll set it up for you here. Uh, again, we had unanimity. We had easy unanimity on this one. Fighter of the year in boxing, BC, speak for us here. I did not think this choice was especially difficult. Yeah, look, it's been a very weird and hard year for boxing, right? Because, you know, uh, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. It wasn't as easy as Dana White made it look to just come back and make great fights, right? And uh, we saw a lot of great fighters have one performance. We saw a lot of big-name fighters not fight at all in boxing or fight once against stay busy, you know, forgetful events. So in some cases, you're looking at, who had the best win to become your fighter of the year? But I think when we look, when we'll look back on 2020 years from now, we'll look at it as the rise of Teofimo Lopez Jr., the 23-year-old unified or maybe even undisputed, depending on your knowledge of boxing politics, lightweight champion who said he was going to go out there and take on the pound-for-pound pound king Vasily Lomachenko and do everything him and his dad said they would. Okay, they didn't knock him out, but they went out there and they beat him in a in a close but clear decision in one of the year's best fights in terms of drama and and needing to see it. And certainly, I think the performance of the year. I mean, you go out there and you beat a guy who so many had as number one pound for pound for years and do it not with one big punch because you're the younger, bigger, stronger guy. Go out there and become a problem and outbox him. Outbox the best boxer. Some people thought of this era, right? Maybe the greatest amateur boxer of all time. Uh, you've made a giant statement. So even though Teofimo only had one win and one appearance, 
I think he's your fighter of the year because there's no other win. And I think number two in the voting is probably Tyson Fury for that, for claiming he was going to knock out Deontay Wilder and then doing just that. But there's really no other win in this category. There's guys who had had nice years. Errol Spence came back with a big win. Joe Smith Jr. at light heavyweight won a world title out of nowhere and knocked people out. But Luke, uh, this was Teo's year. And, you know, that, that sometimes that happens. You look back, you know. You know, who won MMA in 2011? Well, that was John Jones's year, right? You know, in 2020 in boxing, that's Teofimo Lopez's year. I mean, there's so many things you could say about this win. It wasn't a rematch like the Tyson Fury one where Tyson Fury had 12 rounds to sort of figure out Deontay and what worked and what didn't. This was your first go. Obviously, the results of the second fight with Fury was a lot more dramatic. But nevertheless, it was a second crack. This was not. This was the first one. And you had a situation that I told you about. We, we discussed it pre-fight, BC, which was some guys, man, it doesn't matter what combat sport it is, they just jump off the screen. And Teofimo Lopez was that guy to me when he was hitting people you know, with behind-the-back shots and knocking out folks within a round that he was not supposed to even beat. You know, There was just this real ability to rise to the occasion and incredible athleticism. You know, Lomachenko coming out to the Matrix theme and Matrix shorts and this huge reputation. And from the word go, Lopez was totally unintimidated. Not intimidated even a little bit. Knew he could win, went right after it. And then when Lomachenko began to rally in the second half of that fight, Lomachenko got bodied basically in that 12th round by Lopez who just made sure whatever little moment he might have in the second half, it's not going to be enough to take this fight for me. Ended it with authority as the better man I just thought it was one of those moments where, you know, you're just not going to see a guy capture this kind of titles with these kind with this kind of an uphill climb against this kind of an established figure on this kind of a stage. And remember, it wasn't even on pay-per-view. They did the right thing and they put it on network television. Man, what a win for Teofimo Lopez. Yeah, you know, and by the way, speaking of, you know, your MVP of all combat sports in 2020. Shout out, let's give ESPN that credit. Shout out for them putting a few extra dollars in the pot and putting that on regular television because that's the type of win that the masses deserve to see a breakout star moment and Teofimo had that so very enjoyable uh okay BC with that in mind we have to set this up now you actually were better about making this happen so why don't you walk us through it we wanted to put out an award donk of the year for morning combat in 2020 what's a donk well it's Luke's uh sort of salute to the donkey-ass followers of our show, but it's really, uh, we've got some impactful, uh, consistent, loyal viewers, subscribers to what we do who have become contributors in a lot of way. Why do we have segments like fan submissions? Because one specific guy went out of his way to love our show so much and share his gift and talent with us to start a revolution. So it was pretty clear to Luke and I when we looked across the board of many people who had big years in supporting us. And by the way, unsung heroes like people with great Twitter accounts like, you know, Caposa or or uh, or Tim Boxeo who fuel. Have you seen this shit? The drunken swan who's in my DMs all the time, giving me great videos to all the people who spread the word on this show. But nobody, Luke was a bigger donk in 2020 for what we did here at Morning Combat and what we do than a man who lives in Italy of Greek origin, Christos Christophoros, otherwise known as Web Scream, your 2020 donk of the year, the originator, the innovator, the man who started a graphic, artistic revolution of taking the inside jokes we do and putting them to great pieces of art. Luke, this man has been so 
valuable and loved and adored in this sphere for his handiwork, for his his love of all things ridiculous that we do, and the translation he has done in creating these great memes and videos and whatever, that I had to reach out to the man and say, we need you to speak. I don't want to speak of you. We need you to speak for this great honor. So if we can, Luke, throw to the videotape. I haven't even watched it yet because I wanted to hear it the first time as long as our gaff can make sure we can hear it. I'm not even sure. But let's hear from WebScream. me dunk of the year 2020. It has been a weird and difficult year, but morning combat has been a pillar, a point of reference for all of us. This is why it has been a pleasure for me to give back to the show and to the community, and to bring some joy during these green times. It has been absolutely astonishing to see the community rise up and fill the fan submission segment with amazing material. Shouts to every single one of you awesome creators. And shouts to you, Luke, Brian, Rashad, Rafe, Jay, People of Malka, Showtime, and CBS Sports. I raise my totally legit Morning Combat mug and say, may 2021 be less weird for all of us, and may all of our gains be less <laughs> Hey guys, this is Web Screen. Oh. Salute. Salute to the great... Uh, wow. Uh, Wow, the Greek dude, he god killed of that. graphics he killed and thunder, that. Luke. Yeah, he did, Luke. And by the way, we don't have Dickles and Scott M. Rizzo and all these guys without this man creating right, this this right. platform for us. It should, it should be say- noted. It should be noted. Lots of good creators. Many of them doing some of the best work. It's amazing. We're grateful to have them all. But I feel like the guy who kickstarted it all. It's got to be WebScream. And the best, the best of the group, you know, arguably yeah. as well. I mean, really, the you know, look at the, look at this handiwork, Luke. Very nice man as well. So shout out to uh, Christos. We wish you and your family well in 2021. Thank you for giving back to us and supporting us so often. And thank you, Luke, obviously, to all of our viewers, listeners, even the people that hate us for, uh, you know, helping us get to where we are. Episode 100, a century mark, Luke. All right. Who would have thought, right? Pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, all right. Set this. Uh, you want to just you want to throw it to me, or you want me to just set it up here? Yeah, Luke. We each have our own picks for uh, for MVP of 2020, LVP, least valuable player of 2020. Let's start positive. Luke, who is your MVP of combat sports in 2020? I'm gonna give it to CBS Sports, and I know that sounds like oh, he's kissing his own boss's asses. What well, sort of? I guess I am. Because um, they made this all possible. Like we would not be doing this show on a Wednesday as we're doing it right now. Were it not for them. Now, of course, I have to give it to Showtime as well and the folks at Malka. And there's a lot of players involved. But the the engine behind it all was our mutual boss, Kieran Portley, BC, who had this idea of a dream for morning combat, not just a, th- a three-day-a-week podcast, but you know, when the world gets a little bit back to normal, doing a little bit more road work and building upon what shows can be inside combat sports. Folks have only seen just a little bit, a tiny sliver of it because the pandemic has made it what it is, unfortunately. But that will not be forever. That is not a lasting thing. It will be a lot more. Um, hopefully, there'll be some Bellator stuff that we get a chance to do, some UFC stuff too, and you know we'll see how it all goes. But I'm not sure whether we're showing, you know, oh, I guess the CBS Sports is the television channel. I meant the company, but okay. Neither here nor there. You get the idea, BC. Somebody made a commitment that allows this thing that we built to grow into what it can be. We still have barely scratched the surface, but at least we are full-time, multiple days a week, and 
slowly starting to hit the road, at least with some of the more Showtime boxing stuff, which is great. But again, also just a little bit of what it's going to be. So got to give shout outs to the folks who made it all possible. Timing is everything. CBS opened the the checkbook and said, you know, we want to expand on what's going on. And they wanted to bring you on. And look, if, if people aren't even, people love Morning Combat, still have no idea what CBS Sports HQ is, our live 24-7 streaming network that Luke and I are on all week getting you previewed, reviewed, recapped, all that on all things combat sports. Luke's a big part of that. It's going to be a lot more as Luke teased on the road in the future. Uh, you know, think of like... Uh, Lot, incredible live coverage, but it was a perfect storm. Timing is everything that the Viacom CBS merger happened. That uh, that combat sports played such a big role in that. That CBS Sports became one and one with Bellator MMA. That Showtime Boxing is you know poised to have a huge year. So Luke, uh, everything being everything, yes, it's this has been fantastic. When we launched MK one day a week Mondays in the bomb shelter, um, I was excited. I was optimistic. I was you know cautious i was you know hey uh one day one day down the road if this thing can stick i'd love to be basically like you know five days a week which we almost really are right now we're three days live we hit you with enough bonus uh around that where it's basically mk all day nearly every day but to see cbs sports come come get on board as they have and make you a a uh you know a co-worker of me day to day luke it's been it's been awesome i never would have guessed it would happen that fast and and i was shocked when i originally got the call i remember i was in vegas at uh the conor mcgregor cowboy fight and i got a call from one of our supervisors that's like you know you think luke luke thomas would be interested if we went after him you know to join what we do here and i was just like wow this thing's really going to blow up. So uh, as much as we want to shout out CBS Sports, obviously Showtime uh, was the label that paid us and Brian Daly and all the great folks there who uh, came up with this idea, who are still fueling us and have great plans for us for the future. But yes, Luke, thank you for shouting out CBS Sports. It brought you and I together. Um, if this is our last episode based on everything that happened in Risen, then I will say it was the most fun time of my career. Yes, and I can go back to my personal YouTube channel and tilt you forever. Thank you. Uh, Luke, my MVP of combat sports in 2020, I almost offer it with lament because of how much I've been sent to hell by this man recently, Luke. But uh, regardless, we are truth tellers in this space. And Morning Combat probably would not have had the success it has had this year. And maybe we wouldn't even be rolling in dough and in, in, in so good if it wasn't for Dana White. So Tachi Palace disaster notwithstanding. Once Dana White secured state commission support federal support and he took the chances he did to get combat sports back on the map i came on this show and told you this guy could be a folk hero in the end because i believe that it would set the groundwork for boxing to come back for team sports to come back dana white and his team and let's not give dana all the credit despite that four minute jerk off scientology video luke um it's it's the PR team, it's the matchmakers, it's the you know the people that get out there on the road and and set up the the logistics to make this happen. Dana White in the UFC was very valuable in 2020 to uh, put putting what we do back into business. Luke, you and I filled time in March and April the best we could, uh, reviewing movies, having fun drinking episodes. Showtime let us watch some some shows from the archives. We did that really fun show with Moore Ronaldo and Scott Coker looking back at Strike Force Classics. Could we have done that for six, seven, eight months? I'm not sure, Luke. And Dana White and company getting the ball rolling, getting back on track, it did set a precedent and set some momentum and you know sports isn't all the way back 
We're trying, but whether you agreed with it or not, we did Spence Garcia and Gervonta Santa Cruz in domes with 10, 15,000 people there. And it, and it worked out in boxing and we've done UFC every single week, pretty much. And we've done Bellator back with some big shows and none of this would have happened, you know, as smoothly if Dana didn't do things the responsible way, which is when, by the way, we all turned and supported him and said, yes, you're taking a chance, but you're doing it the right way. I wish you luck. And yes, it's not lost on us, Luke, even on us clowning on that ridiculous video or arguing against it. It's not lost on us that Dana's the MVP that you and I had things to talk about every week, had a reason for CBS and Showtime to keep paying us. And, um, MMA, let's not forget for that UFC in particular for about two months was the only show in town. Okay. CBS sports was sending me down to the studio, uh, after UFC events to do a half hour live show on CBS sports HQ, because it was the only thing going on. Those were some fun times. We don't have that without Dana. So Dana White, you are the, M- you are the real MVP of 2020. And it's a shame that you went to the extremes you did to take that victory lap and let Tom Brady and Shane Victorino slam dunk on us in the Instagram comments. But uh, thank you, Dana, just the same. Yeah, he's not my MVP. I would say that the fighters and the coaches, the people who actually put themselves at great personal risk, deserve much more of a shout-out. But that's just me being literal. Uh, okay, BC. Last do you have award. An L- huh? Do you have a, an LVP? Do you have a least valuable player in 2020 in combat sports? God, I'd have to think about that. Not not off the top of my head. Why you have LV? Dude, we, we have to get through this fucking shit. It's we've already been doing this an hour and twenty minutes. Wow, wow. Can, can we just angry? This guy. Angry. Why don't you? Why don't you? How about you drink already, Luke? Okay, why don't you do? What I know. You to I was. Do, I was. I was fully expected to until another coward bowed out. But okay, why don't we just All do right. this? I was just going to shout some some shade at Deontay Wilder had a bad year. All right, yes, a lot of people had, had great years through year. this crap. He had a very bad year. Taking the L against Tyson Fury, coming up with eighty six excuses, firing his co trainer. Uh, that was a rough year across the board. Uh, Luke, do we have fighter of the year in MMA? Do you want to take this one, Luke? Yeah, this one's not very hard. Again, it was unanimity between BC and I. We didn't really disagree hardly at all. I don't think how... You would be hard-pressed to disagree with this pick no matter what. If you wanted to pick Tyson Fury in boxing, wouldn't argue with you too much, but me and BC didn't agree. But the one we think just feels like it's just a runaway choice in MMA. Devison Figueredo, your UFC flyweight champion. Now, we know his last fight ended, of course, with a draw against Brandon Moreno, but how do you pick anybody but this guy? I mean, here's what he does. He beats Benavidez, okay, misses weight, but then does it again even more authoritatively, then goes and beats Alex Perez, and then goes and has a fight of the year, one of the best, if not the best fights in the history of that weight class. So you have a weight miss and you've got a draw in the end, but everything else in between is just so magical. Now, that doesn't mean that it was the round of the year. I would say round two um, belongs to Poirier and Hooker. Maybe not even performance of the year. If you wanted to find one single fight, you could maybe pick Adesanya against uh, uh, Costa if you wanted Costa. to. Or, you know, there's a lot of ways you could go. But the body of work in 2020, who did the most at an entertaining way or just did the most at a high level? The runaway choice here is your flyweight king. Now, I can't wait to see what happens next. Maybe they'll run it back and do another fight with Moreno. Maybe Cody Garbrandt will go down to 125. I don't know exactly what the future holds for this guy. But in 2020, despite all the ups and downs and some of the, you know, listen, making weight was, or missing weight, I should say, was not great. 
I can't uh, I can't slight him for the draw. It's one of the most satisfying draws you're ever going to see in combat sports. And everything else was absolute crushing domination. Not merely on the ground with that unusual entry into the guillotine against Perez, but just the vicious way he beat down Joseph Benavidez, putting him to sleep, knocking him out. I mean, this guy can do it all. Didn't get tired, by the way, despite the weight cut in that five-round fight. Devison Figueredo had one hell of a 2020 BC, even if it wasn't exactly perfect. Yeah, look, even if you want to argue, well, he gets the nod because he fought four times and most guys fought two. That's that's not even the reason. He hit every single category, including, you know, more ceremonial ones, like he may have saved the flyweight division by becoming the face of it at the right time. He had three finishes on the title level. And in the fourth fight, good God, he was in the hospital the night before and was in had no reason to be that great, yet went out there and had five-round stamina at a hellacious pace and was tough as nails and nearly won. Probably should have won if we're really going to fine-tooth Colmet. He saved the division. He catapulted himself from largely unknown... Uh, unless you're a hardcore flyweight fan, to like a legitimate top three or four or five pound for pound contender. And when they gave him commercial opportunities to have a close up, right? To main event, two pay-per-views within three weeks. Now, look, I, I don't have the numbers. I'm not going to guess that both both pay-per-views did big numbers. I'm not saying that. But he delivered in his role, which was go out there and finish Alex Perez to, to show that he's a badass and that division's fun. And then author arguably the fight of the year against Moreno. And he did that in three weeks' time apart from each other. Just an insane year. I do want to shout out, though, Adesanya had a great year with the two wins, even with the Romero one being, you know, weird. And Jan Blahowitz is not getting any, any love, it seems, Luke, in anyone's top two or three voting. God, what else do you want from him? He finished Corey Anderson. He's 37 years old, and he went in there and upset Dom Reyes to win the damn title by knockout. I get he didn't go through John Jones to get it, but that's a hell of a year, Luke. It is. It is. It's just... You know, getting out there back to back like that against Moreno after Perez, and putting on the fight level that he did—it's just too—it's just too much to overlook. You would have no, to. No, really... I just want people to vote for Jan. I just want Jan to get some respect. People are like forgetting everything that happened. You know. Yeah, I, I still think Adesanya is going to beat him and beat him quite quite easily. But you know, what are you going to do? All right, so let's get to this. Uh, you know, BC got sent to hell by the fans of Japanese MMA this week, and then before that by Dana White, but he also got sent to hell a bunch during his interviews. In fact, we've cobbled together a nice little montage of them. Let's take a look. What kind of question is that? Get your own life. You don't want to fucking talk to me about mine. Why do you give a fuck? Because you're a journalist. You don't get paid for this shit. What are you doing with your life? Fuck you, bro. Goodbye, CBS. Well, Justin, that's, that's, that sounds really easy there. Sorry about that, Luke, but like... I don't know. To see the success you had after that, I got time. Who do you want to talk about here? We don't have time. No, I mean... <laughs> you have time. You have time. No, I, uh, I forget we're on TV with the ESPN, but uh, I'll keep my swearing down to a minimal, man. Feeling this amazing. is CBS Sports right here. You can tell ESPN to pound sand. All right, come I'll, on, man. You're a busy man. Hold, uh, on, hold on, I was talking, brother. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. I love it. But then who's the fucking guy out there? Are you not entertained? Brother. Brother. Yeah, brother, please, please. Uh... <laughs> Nice to hear you say my colleague. I didn't I didn't know you respected me like that. You have a, a bunch of little chocolate brownies left in that box for <laughs> Bud Crawford here, brother, okay? Yeah, I've got plenty. He's got some little chocolate brownies. Whatever the hell that means, waiting for you. I, I hold I, What is that, a punch? I don't know. Edibles? Where's Bob Arum? All I know, 
Best of luck, Brandon Moreno. Huge huevos. Love talking to you, my friend. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's true. <laughs> you say so, I believe you. 23 years old, I was probably in a basement doing some things you shouldn't be. Like one time, I got really messed up and I ate two meatball foot-long meatball grinders back-to-back -back and then two slices of pizza on top of that. That was a good day in my life, man. I'm really proud of that. Do you have any kind of uh, eating record that stands out? Um, I guess you said I ate a whole pack of weenies just because I didn't want my um, brother-in-law to have none. I think you're the only man to know it. Uh, where's Ronda Rousey's fine ass at? Ringside, wherever we're going to see you, it's always an entertaining time, sir. Open your door, man, and, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, put a hand five, out. Right? Uh, I promise you guys, I ain't going out like no bitch. Keep your stick on the ice and don't let your meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of question is that? Get your own life. You don't want to fucking talk to me about mine. Why do you give a fuck? Because you're a journalist. Uh, shout out to Mikey Bormile, our great CBS Sports producer who put that together, Luke. It, it was a wild ride, okay, doing these interviews. Did you, did you like my face of disgust as you ran over my opportunity to ask Justin Gaethje well, a the, question? The best, the best part about that was before we got Justin Gaethje on the horn, you were like, we need a communi communication system so we don't step on each other. And I'm like, Luke, we'll be fine. We don't need to handhold. I don't need to text you every time I'm going to ask a question. And then first question, I completely talked over you. Like people right. think I do every episode. It's, so, it's yeah. as if I've done this before. Uh, okay, well, that was great. Good job on Mikey Mile And uh, your interviews, that's not the way I do interviews, BC, but that was that's what makes them good and different and why we need them. So... Congrats on all of those. Uh, okay, BC, let's do high point, then low point, then fan submissions, and we'll call it a day on this fucking shit because it has gone on forever at this point. Well, it's why a don't great you walk episode, us Luke. That's why. This is for the people, okay? So don't try to run out of here. Where, 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 do, you, where do you got to go? The doctors? Come on. Jerk. I mean, dude, it's just it's going on to the point where even I'm losing interest. Okay, high moment through 100 episodes. What would be your high moment, BC? Well, Luke, my high moment really involves the success of you and I, but specifically you, your success on this show, all the work you put in through the years on the Luke Thomas YouTube channel, you being an independent marauder, not dependent upon companies like CBS Sports to fill your paycheck and give you legitimacy. You worked yourself to the level where the great Joe Rogan reached out to you and said, come to Texas, or first California, but then to Texas, and join me on this podcast. And Luke, my high moment of through 100 episodes was when you went on the Joe Rogan podcast and shouted out Morning Combat, Showtime, Malka, CBS Sports, and your co-host, and gave us all the, the spotlight with you and the rub for all the success you had with, with Joe. Wait, with Joe. Wait, that... <laughs> Wait, you were out. You were out for four hours, right? Four, what were you out for four three, hours? Three and a half. Three, three and a half. Yeah. Three needles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three needles. Yeah. I did scrub through the whole thing. I I didn't find the spot yet where you shouted this all out. But Luke, congratulations in all seriousness on getting to that point. I mean, look, you know, it's like you and in the uh, the Elon Musk guy, right? You did the two biggest names. Luke uh, Joe's put on that show. Well done, Luke. Yeah. Well, I also didn't shout out my personal YouTube channel, so somehow you will find a way to sleep through the night. But yes, that was very fun. My highlight through 100 episodes BC is you know you've got a good podcast when you can do a podcast inside of another podcast inception style, which is exactly what was born when you and I got together for the Charlo pay-per-view all the way back in September, and we figured out that we can do another podcast that's irreverent, that's probably going to get us fired, but still will be fun along the way. Room Service Diaries was born in September. It was one of those things where 
we figured out that when we go live, there's so much more, not live, excuse me, full time rather, there's so much more that we could do. And I believe that the birth of this podcast, it will be the greatest thing that we do. And it will absolutely be the thing that terminates our careers effectively when <laughs> HR finally listens to any of the episodes. It's almost good Luke, that they don't give a fuck about us. I, I'm, I'll say I, I'm glad you picked this as your high water moment because I'm surprised it was as successful, loved, received, and downloaded as it was because it's literally you and I cracking beers, me getting white girl drunk off two beers, you claiming you need 56 beers to feel a buzz and drinking yet whiskey with a Diet Coke like a jerk-off, and us just laughing and sometimes answering people's questions and usually saying offensive things. So if you're a fan of JMMA and Risen and you feel like this show has done you wrong, watch Room Service Diaries. There's plenty more you can get offended on probably watching. But, Luke, I'm shocked that these have been this uh, well-received. It's, it's easy work. It's really you and I just uh, the same stuff we do off camera. And it's really a celebration of the rare chemistry we do have, which is probably what has made this show so successful. And I don't take for granted because you can't just put any two donks in front of a camera and say, go ahead, produce something. Uh, I didn't think people would love this like they have, but they have. And and I'm grateful for it. And I would also say, um, Look at those barracks fucking pandemic haircuts that I was rocking. Jesus Christ. Can you put up some of the slides one more time? Look at how fucked up my haircut was. Jesus. I thought it, I thought it was better than this. That one's that shot's Yikes. okay. Uh, let's see what else we got as I drink. Look at that fucking oh, angular God. piece of shit haircut. High and tight like your college girlfriends look. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it just absolutely. Your haircuts aren't any better there, guy. You're going to fucking, uh, hey, I, you know, hair colleges and getting haircuts for free. Whew. Anyway. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Let's uh, talk lowlights, and then we'll get to fan submissions. Uh, BC, what has been the low moment through 100 episodes for you? <laughs> Luke, you can argue uh, me saying uh, Asukara was the low moment in the announcer <laughs> voice, which, again, was a celebration of what we love about the pageantry of Japanese combat sports. But the real low moment, Luke, may have been when we were very excited to interview Greg Kelly of Showtime documentary Outcry fame. And by the way, Greg had a fantastic 2020. Much love and respect to him and Gabri and him getting the college football uh, scholarship and all that. But my ill-timed Pat Tillman joke led not only to that interview being on the, uh, the the shelf for a month, Luke, but Showtime Legal getting involved. So, uh, hey, as we always say, Luke, we're always one joke away from being unemployed. Shout out to your boy BC for uh, almost screwing the pooch on that one. Yes. Not, not great. Not great. And then it came out like long after the buzz of the show had worn off, although it's a tremendous show. And there again, I have a barracks cut from the fucking pandemic just looking like an absolute asshole look at that handsome times. guy right there yeah, yeah why, why did you have a tan where did you go that you had a tan uh, i think it was just the nice weather i was outside every day you know working in the yard walking the dogs you know you know getting that, that getting that vitamin d huh anyway yeah and like weeks would go by and we'd be like dude where the fuck is this interview and then they finally put it out and it was a good interview it was great i actually really enjoyed it bit of a dud bc bit, well, bit was, of a uh fell on deaf ears there it was a great interview, by the way. It's a great documentary. It's a great story. But yeah, oh, it was awesome. literally like, it was like, well, it might get published today, but I think there's one more crack you made that needs to be edited out. And I was like, eesh, eesh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. BC starts at being like, hey, you guys want to hear some pedophile jokes? We're like, no, BC, we really, 
I really that was, don't want to do true. that. That is not true, Luke. That is, Luke, what is your low moment through 100 episodes with Morning Combat? Well, it's less a moment, BC, and it's more just a condition, right? Like, if you've got jock itch, sometimes it itches more than others, but you still just have jock itch. Jay is our jock itch. My low moment is every day with Jay. Here we have this jock itch of a producer who is desperate for fame in ways that shock even a careerist asshole like myself. He wears the worst, he wears the worst glasses. He does the worst on-air shtick. And while he does a decent job when he's actually in the studio, we can't even rely on him enough to be in the studio or to train other people effectively. Although now, you know, I think we're in a good place, obviously. But, you know, he's just Mr. Unreliable and yet wants the world and can't even deliver as much, which is why we sent him to fucking hell on our uh, documentary, BC. Are, are we going to I mean, look at this absolute zero? I mean, could you imagine oh. a bigger putz that in your fucking life than this zero? He's a pretty smart guy. And again, people don't realize off camera, he's very witty and entertaining. On camera, he's like a, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's a slow dying carcass. Uh, I love Jay, and uh, Jay also continuously screws up so i don't know how he's still our monday producer but um you know he's a great documentarian and i did want to shout obviously a real high moment of mk all things considered i don't know how malka followed us around with cameras for 48 hours and came up with that gem of a donkeymentary that thing overachieved shout out to less than jake one of our one of the great malka editors for being the uh the uh, heavy laborer on that but uh uh yeah luke the, that documentary was beautiful and that was really just a bunch of you and me being hung over and angry most of the time. So uh, I can't believe yeah. they did that. He wears you know, less so here. He wears white sun or white regular glasses and his favorite sports teams. And I'm not making this up. The guys from New Jersey slash New York, his favorite sports teams are the Dallas Cowboys. I think he likes the Yankees, which, okay, I can understand. And then Duke. I mean, could this guy be more of a front running <laughs> douchebag if his life depended on it? I don't know. I honestly don't know. So, Fuck yeah. Jay is what I have to say. Wow. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Luke, you want to close with fan submissions this week? I think there's Let's a world it. record number of them. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We open up. And thank you guys for sending your fan submissions to morningcombat at gmail.com. Or you can DM me with them. Your artwork, your merch picks, whatever you got for us. We'll play it on here. Uh, thank you, Web Scream, for shouting, starting this phenomenon. Derek Bell this week, Luke, hits us up with a picture of him. And his morning combat mug. Let's do that. Oh, shit. And he's shit. got the Poirier sauce in it, Luke. Yeah, the hot sauce, which I'm going to put my review up here soon. Look at that. Well done on that one, Derek Bell. Looking great. Thank you for supporting our show. Um, you know what needs to be sold, Luke? Those MK mugs that we got on set. Remember those? Those need to be sold, not the black ones. Uh, these are MK merch picks from at River Kitty Ransom. He's got his cat involved in, in both of them, Luke. Check out this first one with cat the MK shirt. And then the second one, this this all-black cat on Halloween. This guy's great. Can we show the second one here, Gav? Oh, okay. Oh, we don't have the sweet. second one. Anyway, it was two picks with the, with the cat on the t-shirt. Shout out to River Kitty Ransom for supporting us all the way. Number three, hey, our CBS Sports brethren, Jack Crosby, rocking his new MK sweatshirt for the holidays. Yes. Look at this handsome man, right? Look at that. Got the Yankees hat, which is regrettable, but otherwise Jack's great. 
a yingling enthusiast and one of the better people on this earth. Shout out to Kroz right there. Uh, we got a great MK submission here from Dan Silly Fan's cat. His cat is named Millie, and apparently Millie wants to do the business with Reggie Jackson, my cat. But look at the markings on that cat loot. That's a handsome piece of uh, uh, P-U-S-S-Y right there, right? All right, I guess guess I'm the only cat guy here. Okay, Luke, shout out to uh, Moco, Reggie Jackson, Zoe, and now Millie. All right, uh, Ian Kelly has some MK merch to share. A pic of him uh, with his mug, relaxing and watching our show from Kildare, Ireland. How did he get that mug, Luke? I don't know, but he found a way. It looks better than the bootleg one that WebScream has, and I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Yeah. By the way, I, I support anyone that watches us on TV. That uh, Thank you. Thank you for blowing us up like that. All right. Yes. Uh, Josh Montgomery has sent in a pic of his MK Tumblr in action, Luke. And and he's got two picks, by the way. This is his vinyl setup. Nice little, little hi-fi there with the MK Tumblr and the Dr. Dre Chronic album and the My Morning Jacket artwork above it. You impressed, Luke? I am. I am. The least cool thing is the Morning Combat Tumblr, but you know what? We're in good company. All right. Can we show the other side of uh, Josh Montgomery's living room? He's he's really he's really showing us the full arsenal here. Gaff, you got any more from this guy? All right. <laughs> Apparently, we dropped the ball on that as well. Josh had other picks of his setup there in his living room. Great setup for music and combat sports. Oh, that is uh, fucking uh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> Brandon T. this week. Luke, Brandon T. has sent us some MK Holiday <laughs> Ornament Love. Okay, that is fucking crazy and weird, but great. That is awesome right there. Brandon T., that is awesome. Very well done. Ring in the holidays, morning combat style with that real creepy pic, that photo shoot we did, Luke. All right. Uh, We got a man named Ritz who wants to show off his dog, Kenzie. I have not seen this one in advance. Look at Kenzie rocking the MK sweatshirt, Luke. Kenzie looking all right. Shots to Kenzie. Yep, big fan of this dog and our show. Uh, Jesse K's wife got him this mug for his birthday near the holidays here. And look at that white man wow. fit into that medium, uh, that medium t-shirt right there. Love Jesse K, right? You can't just get one piece of MK merch. You got to have a couple. Jesse K, probably a huge Risen MMA fan. Love this guy. All right. Paul D scored some gear last week, and he says, Hey, Luke, I only touched my glasses thrice. Fuck these guys. I, I have a I have a bad habit. What can I say? But it, my man looks sharp in the gear. I'll say that. Do you think he more, looks more like... Um, who's that actor, Luke? You know, the actor that he looks like? You know, the guy? I, All right. That was a good talk. He kind of looks like you with the beard, the glasses there, Luke. Uh, nice MK combo there for the winter. That'll keep you warm. Uh, let's roll on, uh, Luke. Shout out to Paul D there. Gordon R says... Got some merch for the holiday and smuggled the goods into Costa Rica for an MK Christmas. Yeah. Fucking yeah, right. brother. Gordon getting it done, Luke, if you know what I'm saying. Do you, yes. you know what I'm saying? I know, you know what, what you're I'm saying. saying Luke? Wow. Yeah. All right. Well done, Gordon. Looking great in that Santa hat. What do you think she asked Santa for? Can we go to the next slide? All right. Uh, Marty has a late Christmas submission here, Luke. It's a little bit MS Paint, but I'll let it go. Okay, all right. Uh, Kato A has provided us with this Photoshop changing out the show name to Morning Wood. 
and because we're homoerotic, now we're doing uh, something right. else. Those, I don't know. It's a little your, bit uncomfortable. Those are your viewers. Uh, this is at Matt.229 who says, I'm coming for Wemp Scream's ass. He has submitted four picks to us this week, Luke, including this first one with uh, Jay riding the scooter and you and me in the background as the baby. <laughs> These are mostly uncomfortable rather than being good. I mean, his quote is, I'm coming for Web Scream's ass. Let's see the next one from Matt. This is the MK crew partying. Uh, the gaff, can you hit the button? Thank you. Nope. nope this is, uh, nope, Dan, this nope, is, that is Millie. Not there yeah, we there go. We go. <laughs> there we go. That's the, the three of us out at the bar with uh, Jay fish hooking someone's eye. And uh, look at that young racist donk there in the back. Look at, look at Remy from Higher Learning. Look at that. Yes. The 90s counter should be hit. That's a good that's a good yes. pull. That's a good pull. This is by the way, this is how we would probably look and act if we all hung out at the bar. This is this Yeah, is it's, it's actually there. not too distinct from what the reality might be. Yeah. All right. Hey, Matt 229 also has a new movie Tip to Tip Titanic style here. Luke. Gaff. Okay. You... I mean, what are we doing here? There we go. Oh. <laughs> Near, far, Luke, wherever you are, your tip will go on. You got the. Uh, this is definitely going to be our last show. So, so let's just go out in a blaze of glory, I guess. Keep going. All right. Matt 229 closes with co host Day Off in a new movie poster here, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't have put your name at the top. Like, there should just be no uh, allusion uh, at all to who you are. All right, Bueller, Fry, Bueller. Uh, Brandon B., Luke, you're going to love this, has a Dying Fetus album cover spoof. Fuck yes. Look at that. That's Descendant to Depravity is the, uh, is the album here. It's maybe my favorite album that they've done. Holy fuck. I cannot wait to post that. That is so awesome. All right. So uh, Kevin, Kevin L. is celebrating MK Bloodsport style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Chong Lee. I'm Chong Lee. Uh, shocker yes, that you're you the one hitting the Asian guy. Yeah. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? Uh, Kevin L has one more meme, Luke, and he says, I have come here to have technical difficulties and kick ass, and I'm all out of technical difficulties. Look at this. Look. Is that the, uh, is that the one for like where they have the glasses and they can see like the Obey thing? That's the Rowdy Roddy Piper movie. What is yeah. that? They, uh, yeah, they live. Fan. I think something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yes, that is awesome. That is fantastic. Um, now we need to honor the Rock. Our homework for this week. Derek P has sent in this. Luke, is that Dana? Uh, that's, that's Dana as Ed Harris. Apparently, that's there. not bad. Uh, that's not bad. I'm I Nicholas Cage. Doesn't quite work. Gaff, but okay. What does that say in the fine print? Can you read that, Gav? Yes, oh which yeah, is a, it, which is a great line from the movie. I don't know if the people heard that, but it's the prom queen line that he just repeated. Yes. Uh, all right, losers complain, but winners go home and f the prom queen. Luke, very well yeah, done there. Uh, Matt S has also returned with another one, staying with the rock theme with this movie cover. Luke, with Jay, a little more subtle, and they put Jay's awful fucking smile in there. But yes. <laughs> And Luke, we close with a trio from Dickles. All right. Uh, the first one is the donk, a spoof 
on the rock. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Sean Connery, and you're the chemical weapons specialist in this equation. Yeah, I'm Goodspeed, right? You're, uh, what, Harris? Goodspeed, Godspell. Yeah. (laughs) And he's got uh, Dickles is back with another one with Dana Trump. Let's see. (laughs) Bryant Campbell's. Yeah, that's on point. And Dick Culls finishes strong here with this celebratory episode of 100 for Morning Combat. Check out this graphic, Luke. Oh, wow. Uh, I believe this is uh, his message to us. I'll read it. 100th episode. In honor of the 100th episode, I thought it was only right to celebrate with some of MK's favorites. Luke Fauci and Brian Tinfoil Hat Campbell blowing out a 100th tip-to-tip candle, enjoying some 40s and Arby's fries, along with some of our favorites like Dana, John Jones, Ariel, Joanna, Mike Perry, Logan Paul, and it wouldn't be a party without Luke's bench bum buddy or Brian's gym locker lad, as well as Jay making a very special and unneeded appearance. It's a celebration from dickles and look at the candle look at the candle on the 100th cake can we go full screen on that gaff thank you uh so who's that old bastard on the right that's just the dude at the gym who has no clothes and jay is covering up his 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 johnson (laughs) dude that is like dude this is this is shockingly good shocking yeah this is really good tip to tip candle right there that is fantastic oh yeah that canadian fellow on the left this is great Great. Well done, Dickles. Thank you know you. what? Round of applause to all those folks, BC. Round of applause to all of them. That is. Shout out to Millie the Cat. Well Big done. fan. Big fan of Dan Silly Finn. Millie the Cat. All right. Uh, Luke, finally, you can go home. Finally. Okay. Uh, all right. I think that is it. So why don't we say a couple of news and notes? We will have an episode for you. If you have not seen The Rock, it's only a couple of bucks to rent it. If you have Roku, it's actually free. I watched it last night on Roku. That's how I know. Um, we'll have an episode out for Friday on that one. Like a little bonus thing, you know, for New Year's Day, just to keep the 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 uh, the train on the tracks here. So go watch that. If you want to follow us on social media, you certainly can. Uh, we'll put up the the graphic here so you can check that out. It's Morning Combat consistently everywhere. In just those terms, there are names for uh, Twitter and Instagram for BC and I tend to differ there a little bit. You want to email the show, you can go to morningcombat at gmail.com. That's for dead wrong. That's for any way to just reach the show if you need to reach the show for whatever reason, blah, blah, blah. If you want to try Showtime, you can go to showtime.com and get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, go to something else with your life. Uh, Store.show.com for all the merch that we got to show here. Shouts to everybody who bought it. And send us those pictures. We really appreciate that when you do. And uh, yeah, thumbs up, subscribe. Thanks for making a hundred of these. We got a lot more. Assuming we don't get fired, BC. Any final thoughts? Yeah, enjoy the Risen Twenty Six card. I know that I will. Uh, full disclosure. And uh, again, apologies to anybody that was ruffled, rightfully so. But uh, this is who we are, Luke. We're wild and unfiltered, and sometimes we take L's. And I apologize. And thank you for following us along on this journey. Fall down seven, stand up eight. That's what I always say. Uh, in fact, I never say that, but I'm saying it now. All right. Well, for everyone at Malka, CBS Sports, Showtime, and the whole crew, thank you so much for making the first 100 great. Here's to 100 and many more. Until next time, happy new year, everybody. Be safe. Don't text and drive. May all of your gains be loyal.